This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have at this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast today is Jonathan Mall, CEO of Neuroflash. We use machines to predict what people think about words, sentences, or images. And well, with that, with that power, you can obviously communicate extremely effectively because you can ensure that every word, every sentence, every image is expressing exactly what you want to express to sell your product, to motivate yourself, to tell your stories for anything regarding marketing. So we don't need to ask people anymore about what they think. We can now use the machines to predict what people think. So that's really the opportunity. This is Jonathan. After his studies in the Netherlands and the UK, he was seduced by the opportunity to optimize consumer experience using machine learning. He led the science team in an IBM big data venture and got obsessed with understanding how people think. Because the better we understand how and what people think, the better we can understand ourselves and communicate effectively with others. And this was the spark to make him found Neuroflash a marketing intelligence institute using big data and neuromarketing to understand, predict, and influence how people react to persuasive content. And this inspired me. Hence, I invited Jonathan to my podcast. We explored a big problem in the market to make meaningful connections with those we aim to serve. We also discussed how technology can be used to not only create short-term impact, but more importantly, help companies build the foundation for the long run as well. And last but not least, we discuss what it takes to be remarkable at what you do as a business software company. By listening to this podcast, you will learn three things. Firstly, what value we can unlock when we focus on technology to democratize highly scarce experts, enabling any company of any size to compete with the biggest brands out there. And secondly, that being successful in marketing is not about how many people you reach, but how many people you make believe. And thirdly, why it is important to have the courage to not do things. Jonathan, thank you very much for uh, yeah, being a guest on my podcast and making the time available today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. Well, the invitation was because I got inspired about what your company is actually doing. I'm a marketing professional by heart. I've been in this, in this space for a long time, always been in, in product marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean... The podcast and the whole purpose of the podcast is to, 
to share compelling stories about the value we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So I think we got two things here that we can use as the, as the content for this story. But before we start, it's always interesting for my guests to get to know you a little bit better. So if you would describe yourself in two or three words, what would that be? <laughs> Phonetic, scientific, driven. Okay, this is the first time I hear phonetic. Yeah, so the reason why they, it is phonetic is I actually checked what type of associations my brain is apparently using in order to make positive or negative judgments about things like jobs or skills, etc. And it turned out that things that are connected with phoneticism, so, you know, like five-star chefs, for example, they are phonetic at what they do. People at the top of businesses, you know, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, etc., Many things that they do are definitely phonetic. You know, they yeah. focus on one thing, they do that until the end, and they often do that to, yeah, well, not doing other things. You know, you, you get what you spend your time on, and if you have a slight amount of phoneticism in you, that means that you can also not do certain things, you know, like go out yeah. and party and go to movies and chill. Those are things that you generally don't do if you focus very much on your work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it's it's an interesting way to 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 analyze that. But I mean, it's it's good to aspire to be of of a similar impact as people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. So, <laughs> talking about that, get back right there. But yeah, aspire. No, but I mean, they all started they all started with nothing as well, right? They, that's uh, the story. <laughs> that's the so, story, yeah. and it's interesting for me always to come up. Okay, so what is the story? What is what is the big idea behind? Neuroflash. It's that people are predictable, that our thoughts are predictable, that we are predictable. So we use machines to predict what people think about words, sentences, or images. And well, with that, with that power, you can obviously communicate extremely effectively because you can ensure that every word, every sentence, every image is expressing exactly what you want to express to sell your product, to motivate yourself, to tell your stories, for anything regarding marketing. Wow. So, so how did you, I mean, what, what sparked this idea? What was, what was the problem you were seeing? Or what was the, no, maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it's the opportunity. I mean, you explain. To be honest, I was inspired by a paper that I read. Eileen Kelliskan wrote in Science 2017, a paper in which she showed that when you take very big so-called word embedding models, which is a way of computers to understand text, that within those models, are patterns that are virtually the same that you get when people do implicit association tests. Now, implicit association tests is something that we that is known in psychology where you check how quickly people can react to certain things to deduce how much certain things in the head are connected. So for example, if you hear the word America, many people would think about Trump. So when you, right now at least, back in the days, it would be different. Yeah. Or, now that you hear it in the future, maybe that's different as well. So the speed in which your brain can think about something is the association strength and implicitly means that there may be slight differences in your speed of reacting to the word. So you would see the word America, then you would react to the word Trump to say, for example, that the word Trump is a word. Yeah. Now, that pattern, that speed, we can predict using machines and the machines have not been fed any you know, user information. No human has ever interacted directly with the machine. The machine can deduce it simply based on the statistical likelihood that these two words would appear together in the wild. 
so that in our media, mass media, social media, Wikipedia, everywhere, the word America and Trump are more likely to appear together than, for example, the word America and cucumber. Okay. So, so I read that paper and then I thought, well, if that works, that, which is already pretty fantastic, what else would work? Can you, in fact, predict other associations between, indeed, the word cucumber and something like healthy, thereby helping people to understand that, you know, if you eat more cucumbers, you may be more healthy. And that is, in fact, what has been shown since then with our own work and also with other studies, that if you know the statistical likelihood of two words appearing together in our culture, you can now really predict for most people what words will make them think what other words. Wow. And obviously we can extrapolate from that. So it was very much, you know, the scientific curiosity that got me to read the paper and then think, well, this should work. And it turned out uh, to work. So we don't need to ask people anymore about what they think. We can now use the machines to predict what people think. Yeah, exactly. That's what I, what I saw on your website. RII knows what your consumers think. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's indeed that story. So understanding that, that association and, and what, predicting what people think and how they associate with things, how have you then applied that to, to create your product? And what is the opportunity if, if that is used the right way? So a good marketeer, what they're able to do is they are able to elicit associations on multiple levels. A good brand is able to make you think, you know, four things immediately, like they pop up in your head, and then 20 other things implicitly that you just get a kind of feeling for. So with every headline, email subject line, every words that you use, you always try to kind of hit those associations. If your brand is all about being mild and natural, then you should use words that make people think of those things. Yeah. If you are a really good marketeer, you can do more levels. You can really ensure that every word just hits correctly, right? It's associated with the brand, associated with the trend, associated with the product, all of these right things. But most of us are not at that level yet. We didn't have the experience with all those words and we are not able to objectively calculate how much you elicit associations on all these different levels. Well, the machine, like with Excel, you know, is able to, to just say, well, it needs to be associated to a certain extent to these 60 words. No problem. Here are the words that do that. And then, of course, here are the sentences, the, here are the images that can do the same thing. So that's really the opportunity. You get the expertise of a really highly trained marketing professional who knows a lot about a subject because the machine already knows and can then help you to indeed find the words that are just ideally connected to all of the associations that you need to elicit in your consumer in order for them to do something, to buy a product, buy a service, to trust you, etc. Yeah, fascinating. And I mean, I see on your website that the results of that are quite amazing. You know, boost your conversions up by 35%. And I think that's a dream for a lot of marketeers. Yeah, and since, so that is a little bit outdated, I have to say. More now. At a, at a award competition in two days where we're showing a Volkswagen campaign where we increased the brand consideration by 46%. And so, yeah, there's still room. I mean, this always depends on how bad your copy is right now, so to say, or your ideas are right now. The worse they are, the more we can improve, of course. Sure. No, I mean, but I I agree with that. And I mean, I do a lot of work with with my customers to understand, like, um, what, what should a value proposition be all about, but also looking at what is the competition saying. And a lot of yes. time, what I see is that, that a lot of the messaging is about pretty vague promises, generic words. And I think a lot of organizations would benefit from making that more specific and really, really use the right words in order to, 
to feel and to, well, to predict what people are actually thinking and get them to act on that, to create attention. Exactly. I always feel like if you do it with, uh, with confidence and you really know what you're doing, then you have a higher chance of success. Sometimes you want to start with something very vague, you know, we're going to make your life better. That's great. Now you yeah. have my interest maybe, but then tell me how, right? Now we can get more specific. Exactly. So sometimes you want to get attention, but then later on really good, you give concrete reasons that are connected to the right you know, needs and wants that the consumer has so that they, that they believe it. Yeah. So how does the solution work then? I mean, do you just put in, okay, these are my, my three words and then what happens? So you can, we have two ways of doing it. We have a Chrome extension and we have an interface. So the Chrome extension enables you to look at any online content click a button and you can then check what do people think when they see this. So you can go to your website, uh, what about sustainability? And you can check how much do people think about nature when they see this? How much do they think about innovation, about trust or whatever? And therefore you can see whether what you are intent, what you intend to do is actually achieved. And if it's not quite yet, so for example, if our Chrome extension shows words in red, meaning that they are not associated with what you're trying to communicate, well, then you can replace it with words, sentences, et cetera, that uh-huh. are. So that's, yeah. the, that's a very quick, a quick way of doing it. Another one is using the interface. Again, you first define what do you want people to think. By the way, it's super simple. If you want attention, you know, you want to be sensational or scandalous or something, you know, strong emotions generally. Yeah. You can put them in. You say, okay, it needs to be sensational. It needs to be those things. And then you can input content and start testing. It's basically A-B testing before the A-B yep. test. You can put in like five different slogans, email subject lines, doesn't matter. And you get an indication of how much does each of these sentences evoke those associations. Yep. And, and right now, we have it already in, in beta where you will then also get suggestions. So we have access to a lot of sentences and words. So we can then suggest to you another way of putting what you're trying to say that yep. is even more effective on reaching on making people think the right things so that they convert. Interesting. So when did you, I mean, you, you said you read this paper in 2017. So when did you start a company and, and when does the, did, did the first solution come to market? So we actually started the company end of 2016 and we started off doing this with real people. We did all the online testing, we did implicit associations and we created some marketing messages and uh, stickers for brands to put on their bottles, etc., which were very effective. And we already toyed a little bit with uh, Bayesian statistics and machine learning to figure out what are the components that work. So if we had access to, for example, lots of email and subject lines, we were able to see, well, which are repeating patterns, which are words that generally work. These patterns are yeah, not very easy for us to see. For the machines, quite obvious. However, after reading paper, I was like, you know, <laughs> we don't need people anymore. So basically shifted the whole business and focused solely on machine learning and big data. So got people in that are very good at that, way better than I am, to you know, scrape all of the information, create those association networks to be able to advise people which words, et cetera, to use in virtually in any language. Right now we have 14 languages. So that was really the journey. Get from do consumer research with actual people to switch to the machine and still have the same level of performance and even better, of course, because, well, the machine never sleeps. You can input four or 60 or 300 associations that you want to optimize for, and we can give you the words that make it work. Yeah, I mean, my, my podcast, I mean, the reason why I started the podcast was to, well, to, to share our stories that are about the value we can unlock when technology blends 
technology and people blend in the right way. That's the, the essence of it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's a, a, a lot of the value can come when we start to augment people and let, let them do and create things that we ne- we've never been able to do before. What I see in your solution, and you're just saying, okay, we don't need people anymore, but I think that, that meant that was the part where you said, okay, we don't need people for that anymore inside our company. But your whole solution is about augmenting marketeers, right? Yeah, so a very clear distinction. Before, you know, with focus groups and online research, you need to test things on people in order to get a response. What I'm saying is that you don't need to test it on people because you can already predict what people will think, etc. if you only analyze the data that is out there the correct way. Now, obviously, inside the company and also bringing our solution to the market, you need people, very talented people, that make human connections. Because in the end, the way, of course, that we gain trust from our clients is because they know us and they know, you know, that we know associations, but they know us as people. It is still quite tricky, especially if you do larger projects, if you don't have this bond of trust, which is between sure. one person to another. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's at the end what it's all about. You know, it's, there's so much information out there. There's so many signals. There's a lot of noise. How do you get, get through the noise and, and connect with people right at the right level this is what this is all about yeah and i think i mean the world would be a better place if more communication was about you know what is the essence of this and what is the real value that we can convey and being more relevant in general so i think this is a very good direction to embrace so what always fascinates me is in those in those years that you've created your solution what were what do you believe were the the critical moments of your solution or the critical things that you put in that make it well, deliver the value it delivers today. So I still think there's, there's a lot of room for improvement. So uh, obviously, you know, I'm really saying that because I'm, I'm not 100% happy with, with what we have. Meaning that, yes, you know, we, we have big companies that are using this successfully. I already mentioned Volkswagen. There's many more brands of that caliber. You can see many also on the website that are using this very successfully. But going forward, I think it is. It comes down to adapting it to the to the actual use case of more more people, more marketeers. Because right now, this is a little bit you know for the big guys, for the big brands. But I think in the future, everybody who is interested in their own brand, into selling products, etc., the you know small to mid-sized businesses, I think they would have the biggest benefit from this because it's basically giving them the the weapons, the tools exactly. of the big brands that used to be very, very highly priced at a more competitive rate. Let me make a small interruption here. Jonathan just made an excellent remark about how he's potentially going to leverage his current product investment to democratize the skill of the expert marketer, enabling potentially any company on the planet to level up and compete with the big brands. He's demonstrating an essential trait of a remarkable software company to create new value possibilities. And with that, I mean exponential value, not incremental value. It's a trait you can learn as well. It's one of the core 10 themes that is front and center in the Remarkable Effect tribe. You could potentially join this tribe as well. Check it out at valueinspiration.com. Back to the interview. And for that, we're currently very much looking at the way that that they do things to have a very convenient way of helping them to create content faster and to create better content using the AI. So I, I'm, you know, a little bit, as, as you can hear, st- still working on that, still 
still really you're trying to get the, the perfect match. You're following the, the approach that Elon Musk took with uh, Tesla. Build a, build a very expensive sport car first. With mm-hmm. the money that you create from that, build a, a different car at a lower level price. And then with the money you make from that, build something that is available to everybody either in the world. So yeah. it's, it's a yeah. proven methodology. It's maybe the one, one time where trickle-down economics really works. <laughs> yeah. So let me see. From the work that you've been doing so far, I mean, I clearly see that you that you, the, the current focus is on the larger brands out there. Have you seen already, I mean, what is the element in your solution that makes it stand out from, from competition out there? Because, I mean, I believe there is competition these days around these topics, right? Yeah, we see, we see some, some smaller guys uh, popping up uh, right now. Yeah. I think generally the availability of, of AI makes those things uh, possible. So we've been in the game longer. So we have more languages. We have more advanced models. We have faster response times, etc. So on the technical level, we have a lot more. Um, and I believe our, our approach is much more general. So whereas others specialize on one or the other channel, we come from the, from the brand perspective, meaning that you know, for your brand to be truly universally liked within your target segment. So obviously you need to be specialized there. There, you need degrees of freedom to operate in. And it's those degrees of freedom really to have a, a differentiated brand position that where, where we work on. So we're not solely interested, for example, in performance. Performance is good, and that's what will you know, make you stand out in the short run, short term, not a problem. But in the end, it's also minding the higher level associations to build a, a brand that will be there for five or 10 years and yeah. just continuously grow because you, in your communication that is performing, you always make sure that you're also building strong general associations in the background that, you know, strengthen your brand. You know, are you something like a, a cheap, cheap soap or are you something like Duff or Nivea, something that has very strong, you know, motherly care, mild natural associations? that were built over years, but that are very reliable and make it a very solid brand. Meaning that that brand is worth a lot more than those than, than a cheap soap that may be currently all natural and vegan. People like that right now, but what about in two, two years, right? If you have higher level associations, that is when you truly have something for the ages, something that you can give your children later because that brand has really grown. So that is, I think, where we stand out to not only mind the performance, but also mind the higher level associations that continuously build your brand, which is just you know, going up all the time, not in spite, but like in tandem with more converting content. Yeah, and did you design your solution with that in mind from, from the start or has that become a yeah, sort of a revelation from working with, with your first customers? No, I think it's similar to, in, in this case, indeed, uh, with Tesla. So when you figure out what a sports car needs, right? You're like, all right, it needs to have lots of horsepower. It needs to go up to, you know, the mileage in a few seconds. So in order to have excellence there, well, you need to mind some technical challenges. You need to overcome them. And you need to have these premium features. And the premium features for the big brands are the certainty that the brand is safe and that the brand is being built. And yeah. so indeed, bringing this now to, to the masses, having that in mind, rather than a short-term solution, really having the long perspective in mind, you know, you build a business that you can give to your children. That is, I think, where that came from. It was a little bit incidental, to be honest, because learning about what makes big brands really sticky are those yeah. high-level associations. That is something that I also had to learn. You know, I'm a neuropsychologist by trade. I know a lot about people. 
Now I know a lot about brands, but yeah, certainly. So that is taking something that we have learned from the big brands, from the very successful brands that we can now bring to more people. Interesting. And I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's fascinating, fascinates me a lot. I'm currently writing a book and where that is actually also an element of, of what I'm discussing. Mm-hmm. It's about, the book is called The Remarkable Effect and it's about the 10 traits of a remarkable software business. Since you are the CEO of a software business as well, what do you believe is the, is the one or the two things that, that you need in order to become remarkable as a software business? Huh. So, <laughs> to be fair here, <laughs> what, what do you think are the top two things? Because you write this whole book about it, which sounds very interesting. Well, I mean, we can do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> Indeed. I, 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 found, I found at least 10, 10 traits. Oh. One thing at the end, I think we discussed, which is like a very strong big idea you know that you start off on something that is bigger than you really solving a very big problem another thing is for example is that you don't believe that you can be the best for everything and everybody it's for it's for some organizations and for some some not that that gives you the focus and i think that you highlighted an element of that in the discussion where we had around being fanatic it's also about what i believe being different not better and then we highlighted a couple of things on that as well and then it's, yeah, it goes into a number of areas. For example, one of the things I see a lot is curiosity in organizations. Mm-hmm. You didn't point that out specifically, but I mean, I, I read that in, in, in the three words that you used to describe yourself. I mean, do you have anything to add to that? I can, I can go on. <laughs> but this is not about me. Uh, yeah, and also it should be a reminder for people to buy a book instead. <laughs> sure, that's, that's for sure. For sure. So I wholeheartedly agree. And it's truly something that, you know, it sounds easy when you say it. It's very difficult to do when you're doing it. Focus, especially, you know, in this day and age with AI, many things are possible. And they are relatively easy to put into a proof of concept. They are quite difficult to put into a product that scales. So I think that is indeed a key to have the courage to not do things that are super interesting and would be great to do. But unfortunately, someone else will need to do it and be successful with that because it's not 100% in line with what we are trying to do with our, our software. So that's one. And I think the other one is, is the people that you work with. So one, of course, you have your clients. So their opinion is always the most important. But second, and in a, in a weird way, kind of point zero, so even more important than your clients, is the people around you. It's your team. So if they are not happy with with the work, with the people they work with, if you don't have transparency, if you don't have good communication and respect for one another. So warmth and competence, I always call it, where, you know, obviously we have very confident, competent data scientists, etc. But in the end, you know, you can be the most, you know, in your basement, black screen kind of, kind of person, but the, the human touch, the personal connection is still the thing, you know, that, that, that lets you live. So next to being a great coder, being you know, a laser sharp strategist, being warm and mind and culture and people is so unbelievably important, especially when you talk about software, which in a way you know, is numbers and code, but it's still made and maintained and made better by people. Yeah, that's a part of leadership. And I completely agree with that. So thanks for your, for your additions to this. I mean, we are, we are reaching the top of the hour. And one question that, that is always of interest to me is what are you most proud of achieving so far with your solution? What is an anecdote? What is, yeah, what, is, what has been something that, that you keep talking about 
that you've achieved so far? So I think what, what I like to do is give people a culture shock in the right way. So when we, when we did a recent project for, for automotive, the associations the CMO was seeing in his own head, mind you. So I give you the whole story. He realized that he was very much influenced by the culture, which he didn't think was possible. So he was, well, he is born in Poland, but, you know, went to Germany, uh, was brought up in, in Western cultures. And being a very good CMO, he had still these beliefs from the culture where he grew up in. So when we tested for the associations in Poland, looking at celebration, right? Celebration that you and me, most people from Western countries would just say yeah. like, you know, it's going to parties, having friends, having dancing around. And that's celebration. It's very somewhat individualistic and you just do it with your friends. Well, in Poland, celebration is associated with church. It's a lot of community, community that more people, not individuals, coming together to celebrate weddings, christenings, all those types of things. So when we looked at the associations that our machine put out, and obviously, you know, people then around him were saying like, yeah, absolutely, you know, celebration for us is Sunday, going to the church, etc. He was just amazed that he got it all wrong because we are stuck in our brain and we often don't realize the culture that we have unless we see it in diff differently. And if you've never been outside your own culture, you True. probably don't even realize how much your culture has influenced you. Yeah. So that is, that is really something where I wouldn't say like necessarily proud, but it's like, that is exactly what I want. I want people to realize that the associations yeah. that they have are not necessarily shared by everyone, but if you want to communicate with people outside, you need to, you know, go further. You need to go beyond the box of your brain and see associations as other, other people are seeing them. Yeah. I mean, I see it on your website. As you said, I love the amount of aha moments it gave us. Yes. If that's the same person, by the way, but I think he is. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I mean, that's, that, is, that is completely true. Aha yes. moments are fantastic. So kind of closing off, Based on what you know right now, based on the, on the experience that you've achieved with your solution, what would be, from the learnings and the tidbits of, of wisdom that you've gained, what would be an advice you would give other CEOs of, of software companies to do different or to, yeah, to do better? I would say don't do it alone. So SEOs as you know, leaders in, in your company, yeah. I think CEOs are uniquely capable of doing many things really well. At least I can, I can see that in, in my own work. But you can't. No one person can. The, the power of, of a company is to, to collaborate and to have one goal and be very effective in, in achieving that. So doing it alone, I think, is the biggest enemy from doing it extraordinarily well because one person is just not enough. The world is too big to be handled. Well yeah. And, yeah. yeah, so don't do it alone would be my advice. To myself also, in many ways. I mean, that, that, I think that is a very, yeah, very wise advice. It's the, yeah, you call it collaboration. It's the one goal. I think it's, it's, well, the association I get with what you're just saying is ensure that everybody is aligned to, to fight for the same thing. Yes. Yeah. That's where you create a machine and you create momentum. So thank you very much. So what's next for you? What is your greatest aspiration in the next two years? Oh, gosh. I got to be fair. I <laughs> just recently was able to reach some of my, my goals. I did a TEDx talk, for example. Oh, really? Uh, cool. Yeah, yeah, which was 
I always dreamt about that and I did it. And so <laughs> I'm kind of happy about that. So for the next two years, it's about the scale. It's about bringing the, the associations that we're able to compute for all these different countries into the hands of, you know, su- successful marketeers who want to create more or of higher quality and mind building a bigger brand around their idea. I think that will be my goal to really see this being implemented by many people in the market and for them to better understand themselves, their own thought process, but then as an effect of that, also be able to create better messaging, better communication, better products, et cetera. That is, that is my goal, to see this really thrive in the market. Nice. Nice goal to have. And I think it's very valuable if that, if that comes to fruition, I would say. Yes. So where can people go to find out more about what you've just been, been talking about? And how can they say, how can they connect with you? LinkedIn would be a place to connect, producing videos there, uh, posts about our findings and about things that the machine can teach us. Other than that, of course, neuro-flash.com would be the place to go to to get your free trial of the software to see the power of associations for yourself. And uh, click with me on Twitter, Cognitive2, which is Cognitive, and then T-W-O. Other than that... <laughs> Yeah, you see me around in many places, conferences and stuff. And yeah, if you if you yeah. see me somewhere speaking, just come by and say hello. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Jonathan. This was very interesting. Like I said, as a as a marketing professional for for many many years, this is music to my ears. And mm-hmm. I uh, I think that the technology that's available these days to to get to the next level is is much needed. But yeah, absolutely, sure thing. And also, thank you for sharing some insights from your book. I'm looking forward to reading it myself. Thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate that. I valued the advice and the anecdotes you gave today. And uh, I hope that my audience is enjoying this or enjoyed it as much as I did. And talking about that, for those that are listening, please share your thoughts about this episode. And if you got inspired by the interview with me and Jonathan today, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on the mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thanks for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Jonathan Moll, CEO of Neuroflash. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. 
you might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.